Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of Marking Out the Day's Weekend Warriors, episode 23, covering WWF Superstars and WCW Saturday Night from September the 26th, 1992. This show is brought to you in part by the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network over on Podbean, where you can find this show and all the great shows on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. I'm one half of your hosting squad, Dave Rosenbluth, and joining me as always is my main man. We're back in business back together again kobe knight what's going on buddy hey hey what's going on happy to be back uh you know the 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 champ is here (laughs) (laughs) the champ is here yeah um so yeah uh, this is a fun this is a fun week actually we kind of split it up and made it a little uh different for us so you covered one show i covered the other but we both watched the same but um yeah you know trying to change up the format here make it a little fresh for everybody yeah we're 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 a work in progress you know we're we're almost approaching a year coming up at the end of december and uh isn't that crazy yeah and we've we have changed our format around so much um but i think it's been a good thing i don't think that um it's detracted any listeners if anything it's attracted more listeners as we have fine-tuned our working relationship together in the pro wrestling podcast world yeah, and uh, Dan, that's crazy that you're saying that. We're almost like two to three months away from a, a year anniversary of you and I working together and then um, months later launching Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. And all the illustrious podcasts that you can find there, you want to tell everybody about? One of those? Yeah. A couple abs- of those? A couple of those, yeah. I mean, we have this show, Marking Out the Day's Weekend Warriors, which you can find each and every Saturday, Saturday mornings, on on the uh, Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. It's all up in your streams every Saturday morning. Um, yep. You can also find uh, backlog archives of the Origins of Attitude, which was the pilot or the launching pad of the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network, the early days before it became a network. It was just part of Retromania. You could find all the great shows from Origins of Attitude with Kobe and Jimmy Price over there talking about the um, the early stages of the Attitude Era in the WWF, um, which sounds pretty fascinating. Haven't jumped on any of those yet to listen, but I plan to in the near future. Future. You can also check yeah, out not not to not to toot my own horn here, no, no, but no, uh, I think we did a really great job. We ran from like '95 all the way to the Montreal Screw Job, and then uh-huh. the aftermath, the seeds of the Attitude Era that were kind of plucked in and kind of like you know just drizzled in here and there before until they actually launched it. Um, and it's just crazy the experiments and uh, kind of risks that they took and the story between the four main characters Stone Cold Steve Austin Vince McMahon Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart yeah. and where they would go from there um, and a lot of underlying um, you know co co-stars uh, or uh, what am I trying to say supporting uh, cast members supporting cast members as well yes thank you very much Dave but I think uh, you know everybody would enjoy that it covers like a month to a couple month period in each episode and they're about two hours long and we get a lot of detail and a lot of background information in there and we cover some episodes too uh, it's really fun stuff so check it out and yeah you can find that on any podcasting app by searching Retromania with a W yeah very cool very cool and we also have the 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 podcast that I've been talking about lately on my show uh, when it comes to uh, something that I think all fans should check out, especially old time, old school wrestling fans. Hulkamania is dead. It's the it's a fantasy book concept where 
Um, Kobe and Jimmy uh, book the WWF from 1984 to 1993 without Hulk Hogan. So imagine if Iron Sheik did break Hulk Hogan's leg and Hulk Hogan was never to be seen from again. What would wrestling be like? Jimmy and uh, Kobe do a uh, tremendous job um, booking the booking the territory over at Hulkamania is dead. Then you have my show kicking out at two, where I kind of bring a retro format covering old school WWF, WCW, even some ECW, have some topics, some old school related topics from the 80s, 90s, and the mid to early 2000s. Um, you can find that show as well over at the Retro Mania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. And we got more shows to come. We got some bonus content that we're probably going to be bringing your way in the very near future over at the Retro Mania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Um, if Podbean ain't your thing, like I always say, if you're a Google Play guy, if you're a Stitcher guy, if you're a Spotify guy, if you're an Apple Podcast guy, whatever kind of podcasting platform you use and that's available to you, you can search for all those shows by searching Retro Mania with a W and you'll find all those great shows over on any podcast platform available. Absolutely. Thank you, Dave. And I did really enjoy the um, the Guilty Pleasures episode that you did with Dennis Levy. Um, that, was, that was a good one. Dennis is a lot of fun, man. Dennis is a good... I mean, Dennis, if you, if you go back and, and listen to um, the first Guilty Pleasures episode we did mm-hmm. over a year ago, my brother Justin was involved in that. That was the first time I ever recorded with Dennis. And J- Dennis works with my brother Justin at a hotel. Dennis is a bartender. And Dennis is a longtime wrestling fan like myself, but he has his own brand of opinion, as I like to call it. Yes. Um, and, He's a wild card. Yeah, a wild card, to say the least. And I love it. He kind of reminds me a lot of um, um, uh, the, the guy who played um, Alan in The Hangover. Um, he's just very out there, but he's but he he makes you think, you know. And when you don't think that you're, he's going in a certain direction, he makes you think again. So um, I really enjoy chatting it up with him and talking wrestling. And he 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 keeps me on my toes. That's for sure. Um, and yeah, and you th- guys, th- this it, case was no the- different. Yeah, and the format of your show—it was just a—you always pick great topics um, for kicking out at two. Yeah, it's always something, uh, something topical and kind of reflective of the business today, or um, you know, just just good speaking points for wrestling podcasts. Um, And I, I, I can't, I can't stress enough. Listen to kicking out at two, everybody. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Uh, you know, we, maybe we should rename this the Glad Handing Network. <laughs> I was just going to say that. Maybe we should stop this right now and re- restart and stop uh, trying to plug our other shows because it looks like we're slobbing our knobs or sounds like we're slobbing our knobs. <laughs> Let's, uh, you want to get into the day? Yeah, man. Let's get into it. Saturday morning, WWF Superstars for September the 26th, 1992. This show is taped from Hershey, Pennsylvania. We open this show with uh, Vince McMahon and Mr. Perfect on commentary. Um, and uh, Mr. Perfect is uh, still kind of riding that high of Ric Flair's uh, WWF title win in uh, Hershey, Pennsylvania, a few weeks prior. And then mm-hmm. we get the, you know, then they run down the card um, like they usually do. And then we, we open up with... Um, the British Bulldog going one-on-one with Barry Hardy. Um, Barry Hardy, a regular on WWF Superstars, it seems like, in these uh, previous episodes he gets, we've... He, he gets Hardy buried, is uh, <laughs> what I'd like to say. That's, that's, that's a good one. I like that. Or um, he gets buried Hardy. Well, I don't know. Yeah, yeah maybe, yeah. yeah <laughs> you get where I'm going. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I got you. Yeah. Even if it's just me that gets it, it's still, it's still pretty funny. Yeah. This podcast um, for us. 
Yeah. <laughs> I know, not the listeners or anything, just the two of us. Yeah. The, 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 the two-man audience here. That's what we should call ourselves, the two-man audience podcast. We podcast for us, we listen for us, we talk for us. Right here next week on the two-man podcast network. Um, we'll talk to us later. Yeah. <laughs> Next week, <laughs> anyhow, um, you know, typical uh, squash match here. Uh, Bulldog using a lot of his power moves uh, with some slams and his uh, his impressive uh, delayed vertical suplex as he holds him up um, longer than a crack binge with Jim the Anvil Nightheart. Um, <laughs> and then uh, and then uh, we get a power slam finish for the win at two minutes and twenty seconds. Um, Good stuff from the IC champ. Yeah, yeah. Go, go, you know, I, I believe this was the first time he had, he was in action since SummerSlam after winning the Intercontinental Championship. So uh, they they, they kind of talked a little bit about um, his uh, his title win over Brett, but uh, not too much though. Um, and then we get an update with Mean, Te- mean Gene Oakland brought to you by Nintendo. Um, they plug the uh, the the god awful Steel Cage Challenge video game for the Nintendo game system. What? And <laughs> I liked that game. Really? I mean as a kid for the time. Yeah. You know. I wasn't I mean I had it but I wasn't really impressed with it maybe because there was another wrestling game I think that was better than that. I forget what but Wow, was, Hipster Dave everybody in 1992. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was I was waiting for WCW NWO Revenge to come out. So I was <laughs> I was totally no selling the rest of the wrestling video games out there. Um, anyhow, um, they 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 go to the update here with Gene Min, and uh, he talks about um, Randy Savage being the uncrowned champion, um, and then they kind of recap the. Um, the formation of the the ultimate maniacs with uh, with uh, the ultimate warrior from a week prior, um, where he carried uh, Macho Man out like his bride. Oh, that was a week before, but yeah, yeah. they, they, yeah, that, that, that <laughs> over the threshold, uh, huh? <laughs> um, but yeah, they, they, they recap that pretty much in case we missed it. Um, although like, it seems like in the last few weeks on superstars and you and I have discussed this before, um, they, they've really made the Savage Flair storyline the focal point where they, it's kind of taken over some of, some, of the, some of the matches in the action where they, they mm-hmm. kind of talk over it. Not, not to say that I want any kind of in-depth commentary from Vince and Mr. Perfect on fucking Papa Shango, but or I mean... Barry Hardy. Yeah, yeah. Or, bar- yeah or hardly buried, but yeah... Um, <clears throat> yeah um, I mean, it's it, it's just another it's just another way to to, to remind us that you know this is this is the big top storyline in the WWF at the time, and it was a solid yeah. way to remind us it's like a this like a new version of the Mega Powers, but the ultimate ultimate maniacs. So I didn't I didn't really um, I mean it, it was okay. I, I I wouldn't find it as annoying as uh, the NWO era where that's all that they would talk about on commentary. That's in true. WCW. Yeah, that's true. Um, they would they, like you wouldn't you'd you'd want to be like shut the hell up I want to watch Chavo and Lenny Lane or some shit, but uh, like they would make you want to watch them, you know? Yeah, uh, good point. Despite, this wasn't too bad, but yeah, I can see what you're saying. This has become the main focal point of the whole show. Kind of up just, next, yeah, yeah, yeah. Up next, um, uh, what's not a main focal point of this show, which I don't blame them for, is Papa Shango going one on one with John Rickner, who uh, looks awfully familiar. Mm-hmm. 
For those of you that are paying attention and watching along with us weekly on a weekly basis, or if you haven't already, go back and watch this episode of Superstars on WWE Network. But John Rickner was once known as Santa Claus, who would then become Balls Mahoney in ECW. Uh Yes, it's your future ECW star jobber of the week here on Market Out the Day's (laughs) Weekend Warriors. In this case, we got Balls Mahoney. Um, Papa Shango uh, curses... Mahoney's leg and or I'm sorry Rickner's leg and collapses to the mat selling it then he continues to work on the leg um, we get the shoulder breaker finish for a minute and 30 seconds um, but here's here's the funny part so he cursed the leg but he finishes off with the shoulder breaker so why the fuck would he curse his leg isn't that the is, where's the psychology in that uh, it's maybe like one of them yoga pressure point things. It's like when you touch down here, it affects up here. Oh, okay. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. Maybe he needs to spend some more time in the Voodoo Performance Center to learn how to curse to the hard <laughs> camera. <laughs> For fuck's sake, man. We got the event center with Sean Mooney. Um, we have a, uh, a green screen promo from El Matador, Tito Santana. And as far as he's concerned, um, Bulldog came out the winner of the IC title, but there were no losers. Um, yeah, I'm trying to find the logic in that. Standard, Tito, you know. Yeah, Tito Santana is always the guy who like updates us on other people's storylines and <laughs> says he wants to be involved, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that weird? He's, he did that with Boss Man and Nails, and now he's kind of doing this. He's like, update everybody. That was a good match. Yeah. Bulldog won. I, 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 need, a, I need a match. Seriously, guys. He's like, he, you know what he is? He's like the high school gym teacher that tells you what to do in, in, in physical education class, but can't physically do it himself. <laughs> yeah. That's what he's like in this instance <laughs> here. Yeah. He's the kid that won't jump in the pool, but says he's the best fucking swimmer. Right. You and, know? and yeah. Yeah, so, regulating the rules and stuff. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. No running on the deck, no jumping off the diving board three times, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Ariba. Um, but yeah, he gives us a standard green screen promo. I love the fans. I do it for you. Blah, 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 blah. Fucking blah. Um, and then we get Shawn Michaels with another green screen promo. Um He's not happy that the British Bulldog won his Intercontinental title, and now he's coming for it. Well, at least we got some continuity with Sean here, because when Brett was the champion, he wanted that title. So now Bulldog's got it, so he sets his sights on Bulldog. uh, I like that. Yeah, I I do, too. I I think it's... um, a night, you know, and a nice way to to build Sean up during this time period, 1992, as he was uh, in the first year of his singles run. Go to commercial, and then we come back, and it's the comic kid going one-on-one with Barry Horowitz. Um, He's got them little spooters on the stairs, and he goes, and jumps to the next set of stairs. Oh, my God, the fucking rocket launcher. Holy (laughs) That was so fucking cheesy. Could you imagine, like, Brock Lesnar coming out and does the jetpack thing to get onto the apron? (laughs) Oh, Bork laser. I love it. That, that now yeah. he's got to do that. Now he yeah. has to do that. Just to, yeah. Or like if the the jetpack doesn't work, it like gasses out, and Brock just like destroys it and like throws it in the crowd and injures a young child. Yeah, yeah pretty like much. He gets all pissed it. off. You know how he gets when he starts yeah. throwing things. Like yeah, yeah. If you're sitting the first yeah. three rows, look out. You're fucked. <laughs> this was the cheesiest shit ever. Literally like spoots of like dry ice out of these jetpacks, and then he leaped to the next set of stairs. 
From what I heard, apparently they sunk like a hundred grand into this gimmick between the outfit and that fucking (laughs) jetpack. I'm not kidding. Well, I know, but Conan was supposed to originally be the guy. It would have worked with his color scheme because that's kind of like his color scheme was kind of like that with a little bit more yellow. Yeah, in in Mexico. uh, Mexico. Um, And I I think he would have killed it uh, doing all that lucha stuff. A good lucha thing, um, if you want to quote Kalisto. But yeah, I think he would have killed it as that character. But uh, unfortunately, this was what we got. Yeah. Um, and then eventually Paul Diamond would uh, would take on the persona. Um, while he was still at the time portraying Kato from the Orient Express, if you remember. Yep. Um, yep. Kato had a series of uh, thrilling matches with Crush on Superstars. If you go back into the archives on Weekend Warriors, mm-hmm. as we've recapped and discussed. Um, yeah, it's between like uh, 21 seconds and 21.15. You know, find it on there. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyhow, uh, Comet Kid comes off or uh, comes off with a, a Bulldog off the middle rope, followed by a leg larry into the corner, and then a rolling fireman's carry finish at two minutes and 45 seconds. Um, yeah, this was a pretty lame debut, and obviously they had big plans for this character because Paul Diamond, no disrespect to him, um, wasn't you know the original idea. It wasn't the original guy behind this character. They had more of a high-flying, futuristic, flashier um, performer, and Conan at that time in Mexico, being a flyer, fit that mold. Um, so clearly this didn't come off the way that they had liked, but um, yeah. The, the jetpack made my day. When they, when I saw him do that, I fucking paused. I was like, I gotta rewind this again. I can't believe I just saw this. I was like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? I was like, they are so ahead of the curve in 1992. Now they have those stupid things you can go uh, parasailing with those things, right? Can't you do that? Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Very ahead of the time. But I, I can definitely see to where this was angled more to a luchador. Yeah. Um, go to commercial, come back, and it's Reza Ramon taking on Nick Tarantino. No relation to Quentin. Um, <coughs> yeah, because otherwise it would have started with the finish and then we would have. Uh, you know, you have to go backwards. The yeah. the <laughs> <laughs> they would have played that match backwards. <laughs> yeah. And and definitely Razor would have done a lot of coke. Oh, for sure. You kidding me? He would have come out with a fucking pile in his hand in a yeah. big Ziploc bag. <laughs> oh, shit. Not that he hadn't done any of that before, rumor and you end up. Anyhow, um, I mean, these matches are all the same when it comes to Razor, at least in this time period, as they've built him up. He's, he's just he's just beating the shit out of guys. And it, 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 he comes off. The difference between his squash matches and other guys' squash matches is, is that, like, the other talents that, that, that beat on the enhancement talent, they, like, for instance, I said it on last week's show, like, Shawn Michaels beat, I think Ross Greenberg or something. Greenberg got some offense in um, Bulldog when he squashed Barry Hardy. He had um, he used all his signature moves, but like he, they still treated it like an athletic contest. Razor here just beat the shit out of someone like he owed him money, you know, and he yeah. did that every week. And they and that's what made his matches in this time period stand out is that he was really fucking guys up. Um, I thought it was great, but um, he gets uh he gets the razor's edge at two minutes and 35 seconds. Still didn't have a, a name for the finishing maneuver on commentary between uh, Vince and Isn't Perfect. Isn't that crazy? 
Yeah, I know. It was, I mean, he debuted before SummerSlam. They taped TV before SummerSlam and then, you know, this afterwards. And yeah, it but was. But it also it, seems like the name is so simple to come up with, the finisher, you know? But uh, yeah. often hindsight is 2020. So yeah. But they also, at the same time, they also were going to, they also were thinking about giving Razor Ramon a G.I. Joe gimmick, too. Um, uh, yeah, gotcha. there, Scott Scott Hall could have been, you know, um, Ooh, that could have been like a different layer to the character. Like he used to be a army guy, and then he like, you know, went MIA and then went to Cuba and became a drug lord. That would have been interesting. Yeah, right? yeah, that would have been interesting. That a sounds former military, but now I'm a Cubano man. Yeah, I I I adopted this Cuba accent after I left the war, and now. Yeah. I participate in a different kind of war. It's called the war on drugs. <laughs> right, yeah. And now I'm turning state and fed on everybody. My name is Takashi Ramon. Your right? honor. <laughs> Your honor. The Beverly brothers, they weren't brothers, man. <laughs> and their I last name. spit my fucking coffee out. Mm. They ain't Beverly, chico. <laughs> And the genius, he knows how to suck his dick. <laughs> he ain't got no PhD. Yeah, he ain't got an STD, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. We are off the rails. Yeah, this is great. Uh, this is a good one. <laughs> I won't forget that one. Takashi Ramon, everybody. Takashi Ramon. <laughs> Event Center with Sean Mooney's. We get a green screen promo from Tatanka Six. I mean Tatanka. Um, <laughs> maybe that's where Takashi Six Nine's uh, color scheme with his hair came from. Maybe he was a big Tatanka, Tatanka fan yeah. growing up. You know what I mean? Even though he's probably sixteen years younger than me, maybe he was a Tatanka fan. I don't know how old that fucking kid is, but anyhow, yeah. um, Tatanka, another, you know. Fired up baby face promo. Um, thanks all the, the the great spirits and chiefs for bringing him to the top of the WWF. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, another standard promo from him. I didn't, uh, I didn't uh, really, uh, you know, I, I thought for sure that like they were gonna kind of follow up with um, some stuff with him and the Mountie because, like I said on last week's show, I was pleasantly surprised by that match. Um, yeah. I didn't think, I mean, there was no hype going into it, and the crowd was so into it, it was treated like it was like a, a an opening card pay-per-view match, and I thought for sure that they would have capitalized. I was really hoping to see more, as as much as, you know, as, as, as hard as that is to say, I was hoping to see more Tatanka and Mountie. Mm-hmm. That would be cool. Uh, yeah. Or at least Tatanka fucking having a match with Rick Martel. Uh, you know, yeah, let's like get your feathers the- back, dude. Yeah, that happened the first fucking week we started the show, dude. That was 20, 25 weeks ago or 24 weeks ago. Jesus. Man. Yeah. What's the matter with you? Holy cow. Uh, up next, we got the big boss man going one-on-one with Bruce Mitchell. Um, Bruce yeah, Mitchell? No, yeah, Bruce Mitchell. Yeah, yeah Bruce Mitchell. That, that Bruce Mitchell, I tell you, he's, he's a, you know... He, he knows how to throw down, man. He's real, you know, real barn burner. Um, yeah, he knows how to podcast now too. I think. That's yes, guy. he. Yes, he does. As a matter of fact, I wonder if he uh, if he told the story about this match with the big bosom man, um, who gets called the big bus man. 
Yes, that's right. I forgot. Yeah, because he drives the kids to school every day. That's what he was doing when he was out. That's why he couldn't work SummerSlam. He had to say, the heels on the bus. Go, boss man, man. Boss man, man. (laughs) Set him up. The nails on the bus go wah, wah, wah. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. It was um, a nice pun at the time for Mr. Perfect trying yeah. to rag on Boss Man, who had, he had had a feud with prior. Yes, that's right. At WrestleMania 7, um, where, they, where they, they, the, the premise of that feud began was when Bobby Heenan was making fun of the big Boss Man's mother, um, mm-hmm. if you remember correctly here. Um they, more speculation about a a, a a match between him and Nails. It's coming. It's going to happen. Um, you know, they, they just keep talking about it, but they don't say when. Um, nothing really to see here. The boss man gets his, uh, his boss man slam for the finish at 2 minutes and 53 seconds. Um, yeah, oh, we see uh, before he gives him the finish, um, boss man hits him with a running choke and then starts beating the shit out of him. Um, mm-hmm. Even even Vince kind of notices this on commentary and, and, and almost mentions somewhat of a mean streak in the boss man as to, you know, the, this these actions and citing nails as being the reason behind it. Um, up next, Jin Min Okerlund uh, brings out special guest Ric Flair along with Mr. Perfect to the uh, interview platform. And they discuss the, the formation of the... Um, the, the Ultimate Maniacs, as well as maybe an impending title match with the Ultimate Warrior. Um, yeah. What did, now, kinda... I, I mentioned this last week, and I want to get your take. What did you think of Savage kind of endorsing Warrior as the number one contender for the championship, even after losing it the way he did? It was odd. It was like, um, I always felt like they treated Savage like that. Like, why yeah. was Savage always that guy to be like, my friend is going to do what I should have done? Um, like he does that with Hogan, he does it with That's Warrior. True. Um, like give him the go. Like, and they didn't get a clean finish um, yep. between the Warrior and and Macho Man. Yep. Um, so I don't know. It could have worked out to where we could have seen them one more time at Mania, maybe. Like okay. uh, Macho Man's like, you know, I I gave you that opportunity, and you know, maybe he goes heel. Because um, it's hard to see Warrior going heel, but apparently that's what they wanted. Yeah, that um, was the rumor. Then he turned that down. Um, weird. Yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, not for him to turn it down, but weird for them to think like Warrior could be a heel. I guess he could have, if he if he did, like if he worked his style and like you know beat over somebody that the fans really liked, Macho Man, Bret Hart. I don't know. Name a couple. He. Yeah. Probably could have gotten over as a as a top heel. He would have had to have worked the same style, but at the same time, he would have had to tone down um, the his, celebration, his, the, the, the his presence, the running down to the ring, the shaking of the ropes. Yeah, he's more um, like stoic. Yeah, like he would have had to have almost been like a a like in in some ways like 1992's version of like Kane. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You can, mm-hmm. and, and maybe tweak his look up a little bit, keep the paint, but you know the, the don't go with so many bright colors because more know, black. Yeah, a little more darker. Um, yeah, if they kind of went that route, if that's where they're really going, or if they just—I mean, knowing his, knowing his reputation and the stories that we 
have been made public regarding how he carried himself. It wouldn't have surprised me if Warrior thought that even if he went heel, that he would, he didn't have to change anything about himself and people were just going to buy it. Right. Um, I, I could see that too, but yeah. But back to your point, I, I, I found it odd that Macho Man is like saying, go warrior, go for it. But as a kid, I think I was like, all right, yep. Warrior's going to get that title again. Yeah. Please. And what was interesting about this interview too, also was that like going into SummerSlam, the hype was who's going to take the deal with Mr. Perfect and mm-hmm. Flair and Perfect were the, the straw that stirred that, that really fucked up drink between Savage and Warrior. Um, but in this interview, Flair had said, Warrior should have taken the deal at SummerSlam, which implies that maybe they really were planning on turning Warrior heel. Yeah. Maybe like Survivor Series. Maybe. Yeah. Um, Like make the full turn there. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's implied that, you know, there was an offer on the table and he might have thought about it. For Warrior, not for Savage. Yes. You know what right. I mean? That's right. the thing. Right. right. They were playing enough mind games with Savage. Like, you, you, oh, that's all you need to do is play mind games with Savage. <laughs> and then yeah. he'll fuck himself up, you know? Yeah. Um, and then we get our main event of this week here on Superstars. The Nasty Boys taking on Bobby Perez and Akita Webb. Um, standard Nasty Boys match here. A lot of, lot of <laughs> roughhousing going on. A couple of pity cities. Um, we get a green. We get a picture-in-picture picture promo from Jimmy Hart, um, and he's officially made the claim um, that the Nasty Boys are the number one contenders to the tag team titles. Um, but then Vince, on commentary, kind of stirs the pot a little bit and, and uh, says that Jimmy Hart made that same claim to Money Incorporated recently. Yeah. Um, so it looks like we're getting the the we're starting to turn more towards the 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 split between these two teams managed by Jimmy Hart. Who's Jimmy Hart going to side with um, in this, in this tag title race against the natural disasters here. Um, we get a, uh, we, the finish comes um, with a shitty elbow <laughs> from the nasty <laughs> boys at three minutes and seven seconds. And then next week on superstars, they hype up the, uh, the, the card as we get crush the undertaker nails, the natural disasters and razor Ramon. Um, and that's, that's it here for, uh, this edition of WWF superstars. Yeah. Not a bad one. No, it wasn't bad at all. Um, yeah, I mean, more, it more is focus. what it is. Yeah, yeah, it is what it is. Uh-huh. Um, more, more, like I said, this was centered a lot around the savage warrior, Ric Flair, Mr. Perfect, um, rivalry, slow burn storylines. Yeah, pretty much. But, you know, here's the thing, too, that we don't really take into consideration. Like, this wasn't the only show on, right. on you know, you had you had Wrestling Challenge, I think, that was on, like, a Sunday or a Saturday. You had All-American Wrestling. You had Primetime Wrestling. So, I mean, you had all these oh, different Hey, pal, are you forgetting Body Stars? Yeah, yeah, I am, actually. I am forgetting Body yeah. Stars. <laughs> yeah, because um, yeah, it was fucking awful. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so uh, that's, that. you know... A lot of things that we are questioning, we may have to touch upon if they release episodes of Wrestling Challenge or all these other shows on the network. They haven't even released more of these episodes of Superstars, but um, some of these things might might have been 
filled in in different areas on different shows. Um, sure. Like I said, some of these questions that we're discussing here. But yeah, this episode of Superstars wasn't bad, um, but it wasn't great either. Gotcha. I agree. You ready to do WCW Saturday night, 605? Yeah, Let's do it. This was an hour and 15 minute episode. They said it was a two hour episode. So I guess a lot of commercials. And then I think we cut one of the uh, Kenzuki Sasaki um, segments. We'll get into it as I start to cover it. Gotcha. We start the show off with the normal intro. And then we cut to Jim Ross with Bruno San Martino, everybody. Wow. The living legend. He was there at uh, Clash of the Champions, which you and I covered on uh, Kicking Out of Two Watch Long. Yep. Um, this is a two-hour episode, like I said. We're going to see Jake the Snake Roberts one-on-one with Dustin Rhodes, and they immediately toss to the ring for our first event. It's Dustin Rhodes and Jake Roberts. Nice. Getting yeah. the show started out quick. Um, JR is on commentary and says that Hacksaw Butch Reed and the Barbarian will take on Ron Simmons and Barry Windham. And we will get a recap later in the show of the events that happened earlier between Cactus Jack and Ron Simmons. Uh, this is a nice technical belt at the beginning between Jake Roberts and Dustin Rhodes. Um, both men trying to work each other's arms. Dustin then takes control of the arm for a bit. Jim hypes October 25th. That's my birthday. He says, it's Kobe's birthday, goddammit. Get out there, put some sauce on, and lick him off. Uh, <laughs> sorry. No, he says... <laughs> October 25th in Philly, Bruno uh, will be there hosting Halloween Havoc. Spin the wheel, make the deal. Uh, Dave and I are going to be covering one of those events, maybe. Yes, maybe. <laughs> Bonus maybe, content. We'll see. Yeah. Never know. Roberts and Rhodes. Let me ask you this, because uh, I keep getting... When, did, when was he Runnels? Wasn't he Runnels at one time? Not in WCW. It was WWF. Okay. Yeah, but like, when they... I'm trying to think when they so it was like during the gold dust period um when oh, they, I thought he was Dustin Runnels like when he was like in there as his son like in the 90s no he did Dustin Rhodes uh oh, okay when yeah. Dusty brought him in for the DiBiase angle yeah yeah he was he was still Dustin Rhodes okay, okay. um the only time they really mentioned him is Runnels was the Terry um, stuff right the Terry stuff when they did the gold when they did the um the angle with Brian Pillman uh, before Pillman died with the dress and, and Pillman had Terry for 30 days. They referred to Dustin as Runnels at times. And then when they did those, um, those like quasi shoot interviews where they sat down and interviewed yeah. him and he talked gotcha. about Dusty. That's where it's throwing me off. Yeah. They, 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 it's weird. they like, they loosely threw it in here and there. They would call him Runnels, <laughs> but then they would make the association that he's a Rhodes. Right. Um, yeah. So there was, there was no real, um, continuity when it came to like you know the the last name thing but i i don't think people really cared about that at the time because the gold dust character was so polarizing and so controversial yeah um roberts and Rhodes run the ropes and roberts leaps over Rhodes and hurts his knee uh and he gets to the ref and throws Rhodes off and uses the ref Pee Wee Anderson to help himself up and cheap shots Dustin and throws him to the side. So his knee was fine. He was just faking an injury and he does some squats. Playing a little possum. Yeah, Jake Roberts, perfect heel here. Um, 
He elbows and works the throat over of Dustin on the apron. Jim Ross then mentions Bill Watts will finally address the over-the-top and uh, off-the-top-rope rule in WCW later in this program. Interesting. Cool. Roberts gives Dustin the Wu-Tang uh, ain't-nothing-to-fuck-with work to the throat. To the throat, says Bruno. Bruno. Um, Dustin fires back. Roberts hits him with a clothesline, then signals for that DDT. Rhodes counters with uh, his own clothesline. They both get up at the same time. Uh, Roberts is in the corner, and he eats a boot and a clothesline. One, two, near fall. They both get up quickly again. Rhodes gives body, uh, Roberts uh, two body slams. The big elbow sends him into the corner, gives him that bulldog out of nowhere, covers Jake Roberts, and his leg is clearly on the bottom rope, but the referee still just counts one, two, and then notices his leg on the rope. Um, Dustin thinks he won, and he starts celebrating uh, towards the crowd, and he gets up, and Jake Roberts gets up too and turns around, DDT, one, two, three. I loved this match, uh, besides the little flub at the end where his leg is obviously on the rope and the ref, ref you know, counted anyhow, but whatever. Um, this was a great match. That's why I covered the detail. You guys should go back and watch this one. Just cool little interaction between Rhodes and Roberts. Yeah, this was good stuff. I was pleasantly, pleasantly surprised at this match because if you follow along with our timeline, um, a couple weeks ago or maybe even a month ago, I forget how long ago it was, um, they they showed footage of Jake attacking Dustin at the Omni, and they never really followed up on it after that. Um, and now we get the, the kind of the blow off, I guess, to that um, to, to that rivalry with Jake and their I shouldn't even really call it a rivalry, but to that that occurrence that took place. So I was kind of surprised. It kind of took me back because I was like, oh, wait a minute. Now I know why they're fighting because they had that issue at the Omni. So, yeah, I thought mm -hmm. it was a great way to open the show. Good match between both guys. You couldn't have a bad match with these two. You really couldn't. Jake being the master psychologist and, you know, even at a young age at that time, Dustin Rhodes was – Dustin Rhodes looked like a polished wrestler at that time. Yeah. Um, in 1992, even though he was only in the business for a few years. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah, I thought it was a good match to start the show. Yep. We go to a commercial and come back, and it's JR and Bruno, and they toss to Bill Watts' pre-recorded official ruling. Bill Watts says that, Since I had to strip Brad Armstrong of the light heavyweight championship, and there's a tournament that's going to be held next year, what the fuck? We got to wait until 1993? That's weird. That was just so weird to me. Like, it's October, dude. I mean, it just, or I mean, it's the end of September, you know? We're going to milk that October, November, December, and then wait until like January or February to start a tournament for the light heavyweight championship. Okay. All right. Whatever. So he talks about the rule being adjusted since fans made a, such a big statement. Goddamn racket about it. They were all in my yard and shit. Um, the top rope rule as of today is rescinded today. There is one part, though, that is still implemented. It's a flagrant violation and a DQ. If the man comes up off the top rope and hits his prone opponent with a knee to the head or a knee to the throat. So Bill then tosses to some examples of what are legal, what's legal and what is not legal. We get an example of Rick Steiner giving a bulldog to DDP off the top rope. That's legal. Ricky Steamboat giving a crossbody to the opponent is legal. Um, then this one's a little controversial. It's Jushin Thunder Liger off the top. Um, 
top rope on the outside, giving like a senton bomb to Ricky Steamboat. Wow, I want to see that match. That's legal. Ricky Morton knees Brad Armstrong on the back of the head, but Brad Armstrong was standing in the corner, and then he ends up laying down. This is still legal, but it's still a knee to the head. So there's like some, you know, shades of gray for this rule. And then we get Bobby Eaton driving his knee to the throat of the prone Rick Steiner. That's a flagrant violation. And then Rick Rude does the knee to Kenzuki Sazaki in their match for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. That is illegal as well. And uh, then Jushin Thunder Liger does a moonsault to a prone opponent. That is legal. Um, the main point of the rule is to avoid injury. And here's our last example, Vader squishing Sting and Rick Rude from that forum for elimination match that we covered at Clash of the Champions. That is actually legal, but uh, it shows the dangers of the top rope and uh, coming off the top there. Bill Watts putting a lot of uh, emphasis on the danger here. I mean, I thought it was good in the sense that like they were explaining the, 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 the ruling. Um, but like you said, very shades of gray. So like uh, a knee was allowed, but it wasn't allowed to a certain part of the body off the top rope. Like if you're going to if you're going to outlaw something, then outlaw it completely. Don't make kind of like technicalities. Like I just thought it was it, it, it seemed rather confusing, even though I love the examples that they showed on the tape. It still was in, in some ways confusing. It was like he could jump off the rope and hit the knee, but he can't hit it on the throat, but he could hit it in the back of the head. Like it just didn't. Uh, it didn't make well, sense Well, because Brad was standing. He wasn't laying. Yeah, it's all... I know. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, so J JR and Bruno then discuss the new rule, and Bruno has meatball mouth. <laughs> meatball I hardly mouth. understand. Yeah, I hardly understand what the hell he's saying. But then we go to rhubarb pie. Um, from Nagoya, Japan, it's Steve Williams and Terry Bam Bam Gordy, the unified NWA and WCW tag team champions, coming out to go against... Chris Sullivan and Larry Santo. Uh, Williams and Gordy will defend their titles next week, but we don't know who their opponents will be as of yet. Oh, okay. Interesting little, uh, you know, suspense there. Uh, a nice mauling from the Miracle Violence Connection. Oklahoma Stampede and then a huge power slam from Williams to Santo. One, two, three, Steve Williams and Terry Bam Bam Gordy win. Then we go to a timeout, so sit in the corner for 10 seconds, everybody. Don't look at me. <laughs> All right, you can come out now. All right, we come back, and it's Jim Ross and Bruno tossing to earlier tonight. It's Tony Schiavone with Cactus Jack and the Barbarian. Um, Ron Simmons will defend against the Barbarian at the upcoming Halloween Havoc. That's what Tony is saying. Um, but all of a sudden, as... Cactus Jack is having his promo hyping the match. Ron Simmons comes out and interrupts Cactus um, and says, um, Butch Reed, he ain't here in the arena. Well, you better find somebody for your partner later for the tag team match. And I'm thinking, well, why wouldn't it just be Cactus Jack and Barbarian? But I guess they're pivoting Cactus Jack as Barbarian's manager, which is kind of weird. Um, yeah, I was a little confused by that, too. Yeah, so we'll see who they can pick as a tag team partner for later tonight when Ron Simmons and Barry Windham go against the Barbarian with Cactus Jack and somebody else. All right. <laughs> we go to the ring, and it's Shane Douglas. That's your favorite. Uh, yeah. He's out here to face John Peterson. 
No relation to uh, the killer. Scott Peterson? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bruno says, the kid Shane is uh, from my part of town, and he's got an awful lot of talent. Keyword on awful. Uh, big belly to belly from Shane, and he wins the match. One, two, three. Nah. Yep. I'm just curious what they were doing with the whole the, the chaps and the leather coat. Like they were trying to turn him into like the pretty boy. Like where I they think would... they were. Yeah, they were like he's got appeal. Yeah. Uh, we go to commercial and come back. It's Bobby Eaton, Sans Pauly. Uh, so I was confused by this. We keep getting that dangerous alliance is still together, but they're they're not. You know, I don't know. It's 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 getting weird, but like you said, the disillusion and uh, the the breakup of the dangerous alliance kind of came out of nowhere and kind of cut off quick. Yeah, Jr. gets cut off on commentary, uh, pimping his hotline. Not sure what that was about. I think they were like, we don't want to hear you pimp the number anymore. So the audio got cut. Um, if you notice that on the network. Brad Armstrong is out to face Bobby Eaton, everybody. The light heavyweight tournament will be held in 1993, like I said. Weird. Uh, JR says, uh, Butch Reed still hasn't arrived in the arena. Okay. So we get involved with this fast-paced match between Bobby Eaton and Brad Armstrong. This is cool, and it kind of slows down with some technical stuff. Um, And then Brian Pillman comes on commentary, and he's calling out Brad Armstrong. And he wants a match next Saturday. Okay. So it's some good back and forth between Bobby and Brad in this match. Bobby goes for the Alabama jam and the referee is like, you know, don't do a, don't do a knee to the throat. So he kind of like distracts Bobby for a second, but Brad rolls out of the way, pops up and gives him a side Russian leg sweep. One, two, three, uh, Brad Armstrong beats Bobby Eaton. And we will see if Brad will accept Brian's, um, offer for the match next week there's a lot of bobby's brad's brian's jesus yeah a lot of bees going on yeah um so yeah hyped hyped for that yeah hyped for that match Um, barbarian that wasn't a bad match (laughs) exactly Uh, that no, wasn't, wasn't a bad, a bad match. match at all. I mean, you couldn't you you couldn't have a bad match with with Bobby Eaton or Brad Armstrong, and then with them together. Um, I thought it was interesting that um, you know Brad Armstrong's light heavyweight division, but he's wrestling someone outside of that division. Um, I don't know if they didn't have enough guys in the division for him to cycle through, or if they just figured, well, you know, let's just throw. Eaton out there randomly because Eaton's had his hands full with Arn Anderson in a tag team against the Steiners recently. So um, I thought that was uh, an interesting matchup, but still it was good nonetheless. Yeah. We go to a commercial and come back with JR and Bruno. And JR asks Bruno, How would you describe Japanese wrestlers? Uh, That's a a loaded question. Yeah. No. Uh, Yeah. Bruno's good, is really great. He says, These guys go through a a system like baseball. You start in the minor leagues, you move up a little bit, and then you get into the major leagues and you put in your work there. Yeah. Um, So he really, you know, makes it seem like it's. it's a really, uh, we've talked about this a lot, sports dynamic uh, for, you know, certain wrestling promotions. They, they yes. favor that a little bit more. Um, so we were about to get a promo package of Kenzuki Sasaki, but they skipped the whole thing, and we go to a commercial again and come back. Beca- 
is that because of uh, the uh, New Japan? I think the footage. yeah. I was gonna say because uh, last week when I um, when I covered um, Rick Rude's promo with uh, Jr. Um, they, it seemed like in the in in the that segment they were cut into different uh, video packages regarding the. Um, the match he had with Chono in Japan, and um, I I didn't know at the time, but now that I, you know, in hindsight, I was like, oh shit, it's probably just because of the New Japan uh, footage that WWE doesn't own. Yep. Um, back from the commercial, and it's Jr. with Jake Roberts, and he's holding a cobra, and I love the shirt that Jake is wearing. It's a blade, um, like a buzzsaw, and it says "Spin the wheel, make the deal." It's the shirt for the uh, Halloween Havoc coming up. Very cool stuff. Jake says, Sting, you spin the wheel and you make the deal. Sting, you mess with the snake and you'll get bit. And Jake says, well, Ron, Cactus is a good little doggy, and he told me that he needs someone, and I never leave a man alone. And you can tell by my bloodstained hands. Okay, <laughs> maybe uh, we will see if, I guess, uh, what I talked about before, Cactus and Jake kind of having this alliance, loose alliance, and maybe he'll be their partner since Butch Reed still hasn't arrived. Yeah, where the hell's Butch Reed? I, I, I'm thinking, I, I don't know what happened. I think he gets cut from this angle. Maybe, um, yeah, maybe, or he, maybe, couldn't, or maybe he legit couldn't make the date. Yeah. Um, so save the date, Butch Reed. <laughs> <laughs> then we go to the ring, and it's Nikita Koloff. I fucking nearly forgot he was still in WCW. Yeah, they need to while. push this guy, um, but he's he had that you know brief angle with uh, Rick Rude, and then he beat Medusa up, and was like happy about it. Anyhow, yeah. Nikita Koloff out to face Vinny Vegas, or uh, as I like to call Kevin Nash. Kevin Nash. Uh, Bruno says Vinny is very impressive. Um, so yeah, and he, he's like, and I've seen some great matches too. So, wow. He's, uh, impressed by young Kevin Nash. I'm sure he was, you know, patting himself on the back after he watched the tape on that. He was like, hear that? Bruno called me good. Yeah. Anyhow, Vegas throws Nikita in the corner and then goes for his running double ax handle, which, you know, is like famous, you know, diesel Kevin Nash move, but he gets caught by the sickle. One, two, three. I just thought that was so cool. It's like a guy's like signature move before it becomes his signature move, and it just gets cut off by this super huge guy at the time. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I like you said. I forgot that Nikita was even on you know, in in the company. He hasn't been featured much on uh, on, on on TV. The, the a lot of the recaps we've done recently, so it was kind of a, a pleasant surprise. Um, and Vinny Vegas has just been enhancement talent city uh, in the last few weeks between him and uh, Nikita, and then his match with Steamboat. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was it was it was okay, but it was. It was a nice way to reintroduce Nikita, um, who had been gone for a little bit. Yep. For whatever reason. I don't even know what the reason was. Yeah. Hey, I got a I got a good song that I came up with yesterday because I oh, heard yeah? the I heard the song Monster Mash and I know we're getting close to uh Halloween. Yes. So I came up with my own rendition. Okay, it's let's hear it. The Kevin Nash. He had a quad snap. He had the snap. <laughs> he did the Kevin Nash. He quad just snapped. 
Well, it's got some work. You know, I got to work. Yeah, some no, things I mean, out, it's a good yeah. start. Yeah, I mean, okay. <laughs> you can help me write it out later. You know, okay. I, actually, I have a song too as well. Sure. It's 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 about Nikita Koloff. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> There's a skeeter on the keeter licking off. There's a skeeter on the keeter licking off. There's a skeeter on the keeter. There's a skeeter on the keeter. There's a skeeter on the keeter licking off. <laughs> Jesus. Everybody, uh, marking out the day's song corner. Yeah, the lounge lizards here on uh, Weekend Warriors. <laughs> Good stuff, everybody. Coming to an airport lounge near you. <laughs> we go to a commercial and come back, and um, it's 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 Bruno just running down his uh, legacy, talking to Tony Schiavone. I actually have the audio for this, and I'll pipe it in. Um, it was some good stuff, and Tony is excited, you know, to talk to Bruno and be back in in wrestling where wrestling really matters. You know, what'd you think of this? Um, it was okay. It was, yeah. I mean, didn't really, didn't really strike a chord in me either way, but it was okay. Yeah, kind of throwing shade at WWF here and there, but yeah, yeah. this is the time when they were doing the. Uh, I believe he was on Geraldo or Phil Donahue or something. Right, um, yeah, one of the two. I don't remember yeah. to be to be honest with you. Close to this time, so this interesting time period in wrestling, as we've said many times. We go to a commercial and come back, and we get a world premiere video of Van Hammer. Yeah, this Van Hammer world premiere video. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? His bike, the guitar, the ring, the whole bit. Is this the actual song that they used? for it or do you think it's dubbed over i mean this was fucking cheesy as shit it doesn't sound like a dubbed over song that's for sure it sounds like the wcw was, original Van yeah, Hammer. You know, it was it was in the it was in the turner archives um no lyrics so um but yeah it was um it was it was it was pretty brutal um you know yeah, they were trying to make they were trying to make van hammer like a sex symbol like almost like a cross between slash and like a sid justice yeah, that's a good. That's a good. And I like that. Yeah, that's a slash from Guns N' Roses and Sid. I like that. That was yeah. good. Yeah, that was good. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like you know, at that time he, I mean, he was a good-looking guy. I could see why girls were into him. You know, he had that like rock star look about him. You know what I mean? Or, mm-hmm. but like, that was it. That's as far as it went. You know? Um, yeah. But yeah, not the video terrible was the, in the ring. But oh no, he was think- fucking awful. No, he was fucking. He was awful. Yeah. Sorry, he was maybe awful. I needed, yeah. Maybe I needed to get more. Uh, Did you maybe watch I need last to get week's match of DDP? Hammer. Yeah, that was actually rough. Sorry. Yeah, the only thing he did good was that like Oklahoma roll for the finish. <laughs> yes, yes, you're <laughs> right. Else, you're right. Everything else was fucking terrible. And including he his sticks entrance. around till WCW till the fucking almost very end, dude. He's yeah, part of he Raven's was, flock. He was a part of Raven's flock. He's um, in that game you're waiting for, WCW NWO Revenge. Yes. Yes, he was part of Raven's flock. Then they, then when the flock split up, they gave him like this hippie gimmick, um, where he was a hippie, and that was stupid. It's um, so crazy how long people hang around in wrestling. Yeah, sometimes. spent a lot of time on Thunder, and then he was um, 
uh, a part of the Misfits in Action, that little group That's in WCW right. that Russo created Holy with uh, shit. Yeah. with he was they, they Russo changed all their names. So it was like um, Hugh Morris was General, General Rection, Rection yeah. General yeah, Hugh G Rection. Um, Chavo Guerrero was Lieutenant Loco. That wasn't a racist stereotype at all. <laughs> um, Lash LaRue was Corporal Cajun and um, what was Van Hammer? Van Hammer was Major Stash. Uh, Stupid. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it was I guess, well, uh, I get it. Smokes a lot of weed. Yeah. Okay. Anyhow, <laughs> that was uh, that was the Van Hammer world premiere, so putting a lot of uh, steam behind this guy right now in WCW. It felt like it didn't end either. Like, it was just going on and on and on. It was like, it was a, it was like a bad car wreck that you just had to watch, you know? Like, yeah. You, you couldn't just, like, you had to slow down to take a look at it. It was, it was that bad. One thing I will say that it doesn't mix for me, wrestling and music videos. Every music video that has wrestling involved with it is just, it just feels dumb and forced to me. Really? I I, I gotta say it. Yeah, like, all right, (laughs) Alien Ant Farm, they have one. Phil Collins, Easy Lover with the Ultimate Warrior. That's pretty dumb. Um, Captain Lou, Cyndi Lauper, Girls Wanna Have Fun? Yeah, dumb. It's all forced. I don't know. Maybe I just I can't mix the two worlds that I love. I have to keep them separated because I got gotcha. you. Right. You know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. All right. It's just funny that you say that because if it wasn't for like of course a combination of things, but if it wasn't for you know Captain Lou being a part of Cindy Lauper's music video, girls just want to have fun then we wouldn't have had that big rock and wrestling connection. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like it, and don't get me wrong. Like I think music does a lot to enhance wrestling. Like I oh, love, sure. I, I love yeah. wrestling video packages with music. Yes. I don't like a music video with the band or some shit and is wrestling involved. It just always feels, I don't know. It feels tacky to me. If that makes no, sense. I get it. I understand. It's just, like I said, it's just funny that you say that because it was really like the, the phenomenon of music videos that helped push wrestling into the main. That was, that was a part Absolutely. of pushing wrestling into the mainstream. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. just, it's, it's ironic that you say that, but I, I totally get why you feel that way. Yeah. Um, rhubarb pie, ladies and gentlemen from New York city, heavy metal van hammer. Oh shit. Thought it was gonna be somebody else. Anyhow, yeah. his opponent, Kenny McDonald, no relation to Ronald or Kenny Rogers. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> Hammer Rock Suplex is what they call that that move. One, two, three. And the crowd are hyped and they're swinging their towels. Are they in North Carolina? No, they're not. Why is that a North Carolina thing? There's, a, that, there's that song. Uh, North Carolina, come on and raise up. Take your shirt off, spin it around your head, swing like a helicopter. Do you remember that no. song? No, I don't. I have to. <laughs> I have to. Yeah, I have to send it to you. Okay. I'll have to not. I'll have to not listen to it because <laughs> that was that was the that was the worst way to describe a song to 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 someone who's never heard it before. Oh man, yeah, it's terrible. Okay. Yeah. Uh, We go to JR and the Unified Tag Team Champions, the Miracle Violence Connection. That's Terry Bam Bam Gordy and Dr. Death Steve Williams. My boy, Doc. Yeah. They say they don't care who their challengers are next week. And uh, 
They did what every tag team wants to do, and that's unify titles. Really? Is that what every tag team wants to do? I don't think so. I think, I don't know. Anyhow, he says, these is ours. And the NWA tag team titles, they, they looked a little better than the WCW tag team titles, um, if I would say so myself, being a belt mark. Yeah, I liked it, and I like the NWA belts with the blue straps. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they're. I don't think the the NWA tag titles have the blue straps in this in, on this no. occasion. Do, do no. they? Or is it, no, is it, it's a standard black leather. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I like the blue leather that Arn and Tully used to wear. That was yeah. always cool. Yeah, and the Road Warriors too. Yeah, that, those NWA titles I liked. Um, I wish they kind of brought those belts back, because um, now the, the the new NWA. Um, they're like the ones that we covered in 86 yeah those belts are like are you t- are the one the belts that they have now or are you talking about the blue straps no the uh the ones that they have now it's like the same belt design on the winged eagle it's like yeah. the old school type that uh rick rude and um Manny Fernandez. Man- yeah that they have yeah. but it's a okay, black yeah. strap i believe yeah no it was fucking yeah, I, I don't like the belts they have now, to be honest with you. I, I, want, I wanted to see the, the, the blue strap belts come back. but um, Agreed. I like I like colored leather <laughs> straps. Yeah. yeah. No, like, I mean, when when I was a kid, like, um, even though I wasn't a big fan of him, I liked the appeal of Ultimate Warrior changing up the color of his belt. You know, Absolutely. it was like, like, uh, like um, Tar Heel Blue, mm-hmm. uh, Purple, uh, even Slaughter wore the purple belt for a little while. Yellow. Uh, the, the yellow Intercontinental title belt, the white winged eagle WWF championship belt that Warrior held. Like, I, I like that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, if I were if I were a wrestler I, and winning the IC title or having it, I would be changing up the strap. And, like, I would be doing that with my own money. Be like, fuck y'all. Like, I'm changing the strap and making it, like, making it entertaining. Like, bringing back prestige and, like, this is my belt. Like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Adding your own identity to it. Yeah. Right. And not just changing the fucking plates with a generic name. Ugh, I hate that shit, to be honest with you. I I don't mind one, but both of them just, the the belts look plain Jane. All right, we're getting into belt talk. Let's finish this show. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so anyhow, the NWA unified WCW tag team champions ready to face whoever next week. So we'll see who that will be next week on Marking Out the Days. That's right. We go to a commercial and come back and it's Cactus out with the Barbarian. He should just be his fucking partner. But anyhow, they got their partner, Jake Roberts. Wow, he's going to wrestle twice in one night. And their opponents, the world champion, Ron Simmons and Barry Windham. Sweet. Barry starts to go to the arm of Jake, and so does Ron, uh, both working over the arm that was worked over earlier by Dustin Rhodes. Uh, Barbarian then shows off his strength against Barry Windham. This is some good stuff here because uh, we, you know, we didn't get too much of Barbarian yet, and he wasn't like um, overexposed right now, so he looks he looks pretty deadly. No, um, squash matches with all the way. Like everything, everything I've covered on Barbarian has been a squash match. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a different um, it's a, it's a different way of uh, you know uh, presenting him. Now he's got a real formidable challenge uh, on him with uh, Ron Simmons and Barry Windham. But yeah, it's it's like you said, not exposing him and uh, a good look for him so far. Yeah. Uh, we get a tag to Ron, and we finally get a standoff between Ron Simmons and Barbarian. And the fans are 
kind of behind it. Yeah. You know, uh, what do you think? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was mixed. I, I feel like the barbarian, he's got that WWF stink from, uh, being with the warlord and yep. kind of being killed Powers by the LOD. Yeah. Yeah. But, I liked uh, barbarians look when he, and people may find it stupid, but when he, uh, joined up with Bobby Heenan and he had like the, the, the antler horns, you know, on his head. Me too. Yeah. I like, liked that look yeah. better than him with the face paint. Um, as a, as a member of the powers of pain, because when you think face paint, you automatically go to Legion of Doom, and every anyone who wears face paint that's in a tag team that has a similar look to them, you're always being compared to them. So, um, if he came in with a different look and tweaked it a little bit, kind of brought that WWF look. Not saying he had to come up wearing the antlers, but you know, um, without the paint, I think it would have. Um, I, I still think it would have been uh, a, a good change for him um, in terms of the. Um, the uh, the the match itself, um, I mean, those center stage crowds were into just about anything, okay, yeah. with the exception of Van Hammer. All right, because <laughs> Van Hammer is a big pile of fucking um, wannabe Guns and Roses psycho Sid dog shit, and um, so they were pretty much into anything, and especially being in that area of Ron Simmons, Georgia, they were super behind him. They had, you know, Barry Windham had a following in that area as well. Um, it wasn't hard for them to get into this match. Like I said, like I've always said, fans down south past Maryland, um, they um, they cheer the baby faces and they boo the heels. They are traditional wrestling fans. Yeah. And I even mentioned it a couple of weeks ago when they had that exchange with um, Brad Armstrong and Bagwell against Pillman and Flamingo. Yes. Um, they went fucking crazy over that shit. They went crazy when the babyface came out. Bagwell, that was his biggest pop he had ever gotten in the history yeah. of his career. We'll in just my wait. opinion, you just wait until uh, later tonight uh, once we finish this match because uh, there is a big <laughs> pop at the end for real. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, right. Ron and Barbarian they go for the double tackle. Uh, both go for a shoulder shoulder tackle rather, and they just collide. And then we get another one, but I get a big duck from Ron and a huge clothesline to the Barbarian. The Barbarian just runs back and uh, clubs Ron. And then he starts uh, clubbing him in the head. And this would be a good hoss match for Halloween Havoc. I'm kind of looking forward to it. Simmons and Barbarian? Yeah. You know what I was thinking, too? Um, you know, we've been wondering why Cactus isn't getting physically involved. Is he hurt? Maybe some sort of injury, concussion. You know what I mean? Maybe that's why he's kind of like coaching barbarian, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, because uh, he We'd have last to read time he wrestled Foley's was book. Yeah, last time he wrestled was Clash. Yeah, against Simmons. So maybe there was an injury stemming from that, or you know they were giving him some time off in the. I don't know, but yeah, it seems like I feel like barbarian is a is a is a substitute in all of this, and that's no disrespect to him as a performer. Well, actually, I can, it is. I can feel that. Yeah, but. We Anyhow, go to a commercial yeah. during the match, and we come back, and the heels are getting some heat on Barry Windham. Um, Nick Patrick is such a bad referee that he didn't see the heel tag in, so he makes the heel re-tag. That's something a ref should always see, is the heels tag in. He doesn't see the face tag in, you know? Uh, That's, yeah. Nick Patrick is Normally a fucking Normally you don't see idiot. the heel tag in, and, 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 the, and the heel will do the... They'll do the yeah, slap on the exactly. hand, and then the ref will be like, well, I heard it, but I didn't see it, so I guess I'll I'll allow it. But that's actually interesting. That I've never seen that before. I've mm -hmm. never seen that before. That's that's interesting. I'm glad you brought that up. 
The heels continue to work over Barry Windham. Jake goes for a DDT. He's signaling one on Barry, but Barry backdrops him. Then we get a hot tag to Ron Simmons. The fans love it. Like you said, Ron and Barbarian are in at the same time. Clothesline City to both the heels. Ron Simmons sends him out. Sidewalk slam to the Barbarian. One, two, Jake Roberts breaks it up. Damn. Barry Windham comes in and some mayhem is going down in the ring as Ron tries. Yeah, Ron tries to, uh, I guess, hump Barry. I don't know. This was he was waiting for Barbarian to hit him, but it just looked dumb. He was like, he just grabbed Barry Windham by the waist and held him while they both. They were st- practicing the Yeti, the Yeti yeah. spot. Yes, from they were. Nineteen ninety-five. Yes, they were. Maybe we'll Bar- cover that fucking awful oh, match. God, let's just wait <laughs> until we get there chronologically, okay. please. All right. Milk as much as I can. Barbarian hits Ron out of nowhere with a big boot. That looks nasty. Um, Cactus then comes in and uh, starts beating him down. So he is getting physical. And then all of a sudden, the hugest pop I've heard of the night, it's Van Hammer and Dustin Rhodes coming out to save and cut off the Barbarian and the rest of the heels. And it's like a standoff. And we go off the air. A lot of excitement right there. The fans are going crazy, though. Yeah, it was uh, it was a, a, a fun match. Um, crowd, like I said, crowd was into it, um, and like I said, a lot, I think a lot of that has to do with the, the the Georgia roots of both Ron Simmons and Barry Windham wrestling in the area. Ron Simmons being from the area, but um, yeah, this was a fun this was a fun little main event. Yeah, and uh, like you said, once once the fans see those uh, those faces together and like uh, you know thwarting the heels. They, they get behind it big time. So maybe a big six-man tag or something coming up. We'll see. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe for another Clash of Champions or maybe even on another edition of Saturday Night. Who knows? But, yeah, it was a, it was a good way to end the show. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I guess for the week, I'm going to go WCW. I liked that. I liked it. Yeah. More yeah, wrestling, I'm, I'm, like we've said before. They put guys that are important going against – you know, we'll have some enhancement matches here and there, or jobber matches, as you will call them. Um, but they make it feel important with progressively moving the storylines with guys who matter. Um, yep. You know, for example, Dustin Rhodes, Jake Roberts, um, you know, Bobby Eaton, Brad Armstrong. I don't know. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with, I'm with you on this one. WCW takes the, uh, the, the victory this week uh, a little more... Um, little more widespread in terms of uh um covering multiple storylines whereas um you didn't get a lot of that with superstars you just got the one focal point of savage warrior flair and perfect um and little sprinkles here and there of um discussing some things but you got a little more in-depth storyline progression with saturday night as it's always been since we've been covering both of these shows absolutely and i think uh I'm safe to say I think this one is far, far along in the lead, well, well ahead of WWF superstars as far as our ratings go. Yeah, I know we've been kind of keeping track a little bit, um, but yeah, I don't really. I could probably count on one hand the amount of times superstars has won. Absolutely. Um, when, it, when it came to our, um, came to our, uh, our, our, our determination. So. Of, yeah. of of the the victor in this in these shows, but yeah, this is uh the, you know the, this this week Saturday night was uh was a was a was a fun show, solid and uh, 
definitely better than superstars. And uh, it's going to take a lot now for superstars, in our opinions, to come back and, and make some sort of formidable effort to to be the better Saturday show. Um, You're going to have to do Warriors. something special for me. Yeah. Yeah, they really do because it's – I mean – it's a, but you know what though it's we've talked about it before and I'll say it again but it shows the difference in the presentation of wrestling between the both shows Absolutely. you know what I mean and I think that that I think that that's it kind of almost mirrors to what we are going to see in today's wrestling with AEW and WWE and Impact and New Japan and all these different promotions that are out there on television now um, you're going to get to see different presentations of pro wrestling from each company and i think that's pretty cool so i we kind of saw the early stages of that with superstars and saturday night yes yes we did and uh don't forget at the time ecw tv is showing up regionally and that's way different too um yes and things will be taken from those you know from that promotion you know stuff is borrowed here and there um, yes it's it's really cool going back on the network as much as i despise some of the current product um you know, my viewing habits have changed as 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 they always do. But um, I make time to watch the good stuff that I think is good. And uh, I think WCW Saturday Night is definitely a, a good show overall. Like I don't I don't ever see one where it's like, well, that was stupid. You know, there's always some good to take away from WCW Saturday Night. Yeah, I would just wish that like um, we could see. Um because there's some stuff that we that we cover on Saturday night that like main event take, that power hour yeah ma- exactly yeah like see <laughs> where the, all these other things transpired that led us to Saturday night you know yeah. um, but it's definitely a more um, a more action packed show a more continuity um, from a storytelling aspect um, than superstars yes and I couldn't uh, do it with anybody else but you Dave so we'll have some fun again next week covering uh, what date is that. Uh, the October. Yes. Is actually going to be October the 3rd, everybody. October the 3rd. Um, so, yeah. Stay with us on Marking Out the Days. Dave, what's going on and kicking out at Two Land next week or this week so people can catch your podcast? Plug it away and then uh, we will get out of here. Thanks, my man. Um, for those of you uh, that. Um have uh, followed along kicking out at two. I, I debuted a, a new concept called the blind date diaries where I watch a show for the very first time. And then I give you guys a full recap from start to finish of that show on the WWE network. So last month I debuted with the big event from August of 1986 headlined by Hogan and Orndorf. And the second installment of blind date diaries is this week here on kicking out at two, or I should say on kicking out at two, cause we're not here on kicking out at two. We're here. on marking out the day's weekend warriors. But if you go to Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find Blind Date Diaries 2 covering WWF one night only from September the 20th, 1997. Uh, years ago, I saw the Shawn Michaels Davy Boy main event match when Shawn Michaels won the European title, but I didn't watch the whole event. Now it came to be on the network, and I watched that. I watched that event from start to finish, and. Um, we got to see um, Bret Hart and Undertaker for the WWF Championship. We got to see Flash Funk and the Patriot, <laughs> Owen Hart and Vader, Dude Love and Triple H. Uh, so uh, you'll get to hear my full recap. Was this a good blind date? Does this get a second look or is this blind date, um, you know, 
is it is it a thumbs down? You'll find out this week on Kicking Out at Two with Blind Date Diaries covering WWF One Night Only 1997, and next week. In anticipation of the upcoming Wednesday Night Wars between AEW's Dynamite and WWE NXT going head-to-head on Wednesday nights live, um, I'm going to go back to the very first head-to-head battle between WWF and WCW on Monday nights. I'm going to go back 24 years, and I'm going to recap episodes of Raw and Nitro from September the 11th, 1995. It was the second episode of Nitro going up against the season premiere of Monday Night Raw. The Nitro was headlined by Hogan and Luger for the WCW title. We also saw the WCW debut of Sabu, and we saw um, Macho Man Randy Savage against Scott Norton, Sting versus VK Wall Street, and over on Raw, we saw Razor Ramon and the British Bulldog. Um, the Smoking Guns against Brooklyn Brawler and Rad Radford, and Shawn Michaels versus Psycho Sid for the Intercontinental Championship, all on Monday Night Raw. So I'm going to recap both of those shows, see which one was the better show 24 years later, as it's the first head-to-head meeting between Raw and Nitro. And then I'm going to discuss the 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 upcoming Wednesday Night War, the, the critically acclaimed Wednesday Night War uh, between AEW's Dynamite and WWE NXT. I'll give you my thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's, you know, it, just mere hours before the head, the first head-to-head battle between WWE and AEW. So I thought, let's go back 24 years to the first time WWE and WCW went head-to-head. Yeah. On Monday nights, 9-11-95. You can go watch those episodes on the network and then you can hear my recap next week. I'm kicking out it too. Yeah, that's some good stuff, man. Um, and I think you and I will actually bring a new little segment for our show. Um, yes. If you guys are still here hanging on with us, I know people hang around to the end. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, we're going to talk about some AEW versus uh, NXT weekly. We'll see how the product stood up. Our Wednesday night war and our Saturday night, uh, you know, wh- what did you call it, Dave? Uh, well, I used to do this on the Ken Reedy show. It was called The Knot of Approval, where I take one okay. thing that really stood out from um, wrestling um, each and every week, and I kind of give you my thoughts on it, um, whether it was good or whether it was bad. Just one thing and just kind of discuss it, um, you know, briefly, not, not you know, to great lengths, but um, do this, something similar with when it comes to the Wednesday night, you know, war between AEW and NXT. I'll find something, whether it's good or bad, and I'll discuss it at length and, you know, or briefly, I should say, and uh, go from there. I, I won't, I will, it won't be called the nod of approval because I don't want to, uh, I don't want to take something, take an idea that I used on another podcast, but um, something along those lines. I'll, 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 it, there's it's a work there's a working title let's just say for this segment on on weekend warriors yeah, but we'll, we'll work we'll, it out like we always yeah, we'll do. figure it out yep all right so you guys can join in the phone on facebook at retromania with a w you can write to us if you want to old school style retromania podcast at gmail.com follow along on twitter retromania pod and find us on any podcasting app by searching retromania with a w that's retromania pro wrestling podcast network thanks everybody for listening and we will catch you next week